I suppose many of you have been to the Amish country. You've driven around there and seen what an idyllic life it, it is to sort of step back into history where there are no cars but horses and buggies, where there are no phones interrupting you at uh, dinner time, some, uh, some volunteer organization trying to get you to give some money to the volunteer fire department or someone. There's no uh, neighbors are gathering put up barns, you know, there's lush fields of produce, work by hand, uh, no chemicals and no pesticides, and then, of course, there's shoe fly pie. If you've ever been in that part of the country and had shoe fly pie, you remember it. But while we may enjoy that nostalgic visit back to that pastoral setting, my guess is that nobody in this place really wants to go back and live like that. I mean, no cars. No telephones, no cell phones, no electricity, no washing machines. Well, we do have Krispy Kreme, but uh, no shoe fly pie. So it's odd to me that while we can look at another world and look at another existence, if you will, sort of enjoy that, look at its benefits as well as its defects, we still want to live in this world, in the world of washing machines and cars and telephones. It's as if we are looking at two different worlds and wishing that we could be in both of them at the same time. And in fact, that's what the Christians always been doing. We always recognized, as Jesus did, that there are two existences, two worlds for us. There's this world of the senses, Taste and touch and feel and smell, all of the, with all of its pleasures as well as whatever drawbacks there may be. But it's, there's also this supernatural, spiritual world in which we long to become a part, one that we have in fact claimed as our own. I've called this the world of the clods, that is the senses, the earth, and the world of the clouds where we look up to that which is spiritual and mystical. The truth is, for most of us, we don't feel comfortable probably in either one altogether. The old cliche is, we are of this world, we are in this world, but not of this world. It's one that we've heard over and over again. It's sort of like uh, maybe you watched on TV when a newscaster was, was giving the news and there was breaking news, and he's got this little earpiece where his director or his news director or someone is talking to him, and you see his focus. He's saying whatever he's saying on a little script, and all of a sudden this voice starts talking to him, and he loses focus. He, he's, he's professional enough that he keeps on with his spiel, with the script, but he's listening at the same time, and you can just see him sort of, his mind is divided. He, he, he's saying one thing, but he's hearing another. Christians probably live with that sort of tension in their own lives. At least I do. I must confess to you there, I always felt like I ought to be more spiritual than I am. I always felt like I probably enjoyed this world too much. And, and I listen to what Jesus says about me not serving two masters. And I hear what Paul says in this passage about being not conformed to the world. And I... I feel a little uncomfortable. I do a little two-step 
I do it right here, but the pulpit won't let me get the two-step going here. There's a sense in which I keep one foot in this world of the senses, the clod. And there's another sense in which I, I have decided that I'm going to be a part of God's world, of the spirit world, and I keep my foot there, and I, I made a claim to that. I was born in this world, but I was reborn in the other world, and I, I just do this little two-step from time to time. Maybe you're not like that, but I suspect most of us are like that from time to time. We, we do a little two-step. So here are some observations about that concept that Paul throws up to me when he says, be not conformed to this world, but conform the world, but mold the world in your image. The first thing I want to say, it may sound counterintuitive to some of you as Christians, and that is the world that God made it is not inherently evil or wrong. He gave us a lot of wonderful things in this world of the clods, the world of the senses that you and I know through the senses. He gave us color when we could have had a black and white world. It's unnecessary, but he gave it to us for our beauty. He gave us, he gave us T-bone steaks, folks, and peaches and watermelon. He gave us all that good stuff for us to eat and to enjoy he gave us shoe fly pie and Krispy Kreme, both, you see. More than we really needed. He gave, gave us a world filled with the smooth skin of babies and the light touch of someone you love. He gave us the sound of a tinkling bell and the bella of a tuba. He gave us Beethoven and the Beatles. He gave us... The clouds in the summer, those cumulus clouds that are a sign of perhaps an approaching thunderstorm, gave us the glint of light on a lake and the sound of the bird. Those are his gifts to us to enjoy, to appreciate the world of the senses, the world of the clod. And I know that old hymn that you and I have sung, and I sang it with a great deal of gusto in my life, but I wonder if I really believed it. I sang, Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Well, sometimes I felt that way. But I tell you the truth, folks. Most of the time, I like this old world. I think it's good. Shoe fly pie and Krispy Kreme. The wonders of this earth. The creation which God gave me. I admit I enjoy it. I love it. And I don't apologize for it. In fact, the matter is, I think God created all of that for me to enjoy. And I should not be ashamed of that. After all, Jesus enjoyed this world. There were some who claimed that he enjoyed it too much. You're a wine bibber. You go to weddings. You, 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 you have too much fun. If Jesus had not enjoyed this life, this life, the clods, where he could sit up on the roof and eat figs and dates, feel the wind blow across the Sea of Galilee and hear the waves lap 
on the shores of Capernaum, if he didn't enjoy sitting at night and talking with his friends, then it would not have been a sacrifice for him to die on the cross. You hear me? It was a sacrifice for him to leave this life of the clods. He loved it. He enjoyed it. So much that people did, as I said, call him a wine-bibber and a glutton. He loved this world as you and I should love this world and have no apology for it. God created this earth of clods and said it is good. And I know the church frequently twists that. So let me talk about the second thing that we need to understand about the world of the clods and the clouds. And that is, in my view, in spite of the fact that the world was made good, it has been twisted for a long, long time. There's a part of this world of the senses that can be misused. The story of Eden rings true to most of us because we recognize that there have been times when we have willfully done that which God has asked us not to do, when we have corrupted ourselves and corrupted the creation, that evil is compounded. I know that God made this world good, and he put us here to enjoy it. But I know that we have twisted that so that our enjoyment is only for our own purposes and not for his. That our will is for our own enjoyment without any consideration for others. Our needs come first. And so in that regard, we become selfish and turn inward and the world becomes twisted. Paul says, in fact, Paul says the world groans. For redemption. The earth groans. Nature groans. It has been twisted to the point where it groans for redemption. The world is a beautiful place created by God and it is good, but it has been twisted. The world has been corrupted because you and I have been corrupted. The world is not a corrupt place, it's us that corrupt. And we have corrupted the world. We have corrupted each other in our relationships with each other. We have corrupted our own hearts. And so the world is in need of redemption, and that's why Christ came. Christ came to redeem us. See that? Because we had become as twisted and had twisted the world that God had created. There's a third observation that sort of, I hope these have some flow to them. And that is, yes, the world is good, but it has become twisted by our foolishness and sinfulness. But you and I are called, according to Paul in this passage, we are called to redeem the world. It is our job to be the salt, the fire, and the leaven that changes this world. We are to serve Christ Before any other master, we are to be change agents, if you will, God. So that the Christian must always live with one step in the clods and one step in the clouds. He must always or she must always be the one who is aware of the beauty of this earth and the the corruptness of this earth. And the ability of this world to transform the other. We, we must not forsake either one. It, we must be about transforming 
the world. These pictures are indicators of that. And others, that other, anytime you are serving Christ, anytime you are buying pencils for children, anytime you're helping the homeless, all of those ways are ways that you are changing the world. You're not letting the world change you, but you, in fact, are changing the world. And it is not easy. We roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty in this world, redeeming, working alongside the unredeemed, the filthy, the oily, the obscure remnants of life. We do not wear surgical gloves as Christians. We inhale the odors of this world as we clean up the spoilage around us. We are commissioned, my folks, to be transformers, redeemers, co-workers with Christ in making this world a better place because we have our eyes on the clouds as well as on the clods. Now, any sermon worth its salt, I used to tell students, is one that has a so what. Okay, the world is good, was created good, we have corrupted it, and God has called us to be transformers. That's the nutshell of the sermon. So what? So I want you to struggle a little bit. And I have a friend of mine in my last church who used to kid me, and he said, Kirk, I thought that the preacher was supposed to comfort the afflicted, not afflict the comfortable. <laughs> well, he's, we all know that he's supposed to do both. And today I want to afflict the comfortable, if you will. I, 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 want, I want you to struggle. I want you to understand the tension between of living in both this world and the other world, the world of clouds and clods. I want you to know that it's a natural tension for a healthy Christian to have. And I'll tell you why. Because I've seen people who, who've said, well, I don't need the spirit world. I don't need the mystical world. I, I don't need that godless spiritual business. I just live my life here. I just have, I just grab life for all of its fullness. I have life with a capital L, with all of its gusto. I live in the senses and I enjoy this life. And I look at them and I, I sense, I see that they do have a certain amount of a joy, but it seems to be a hollow joy. They're missing some of that, that mystical part, that beauty in life, that that unspeakable, that untouchable, that unthinkable even about life that I think is so important. The world of the clouds, they, they've missed it. They live only in the clouds and they miss the clouds. They miss the clouds. Oh, to miss the clouds? And then I've got people, friends of mine, who live only in the clouds. Bless their hearts. They just live in the clouds. And they get in some little corner and eschew the beauties of watermelon and shoe flower pie. They think everything physical is wrong and evil and dirty and corrupt. And so they just sort of say, oh, just going to pray and light a candle and pray and light a candle. Then I'll pray some more. Then maybe I'll light a candle. And I don't want to be ugly about it. Please don't hear me being ugly about it. But the people who live only with their heads in the cloud are missing some of the most wonderful experiences God wants us to have when he put us in this world. 
And so I want you to live with the tension of the clouds and the clods. I want you to know that this is a world that, while it is beautiful, is also twisted and we need to be careful about how we make decisions in this world. Uh, and I want us to be redeemers and transformers in molding this world in God's image. I don't want us to toss this world away. But at the same time, I want you to live with some of your head in the clouds, too. I want you to draw from God those things which only God can give you, the mystical and the beautiful and the spiritual and the eternal, the supernatural and the natural, the clouds in the clouds. See, see what I want? I want you to sort of live with, well, I guess I want you to do the two-step, don't I? One foot on the clouds, this earth, this beautiful earth, that we have corrupted and God has called us to redeem. And one foot in the clouds, in prayer and supplication and praise, of that filled with beauty and inspiration and mysticism. I want you to live, folks, in the clouds and in the clouds and feel the tension that I think even Jesus felt. Shall we pray? Thank you, our Father, for all the ways that you have let us experience this world through taste and touch and smell and hearing, sight. And thank you, Father, for all the ways that you have allowed us to experience the world of the clouds through prayer, through meditation through your still voice, for all the ways that we have come to understand creation in its fullness. It is my prayer that we will not only enjoy that, but that we would tell others about it as well. For wouldn't it be terrible, our Father, if there were those who lived only in the clouds or only in the clods and did not see the value of the other world? Again, we thank you for all the good things you do for us. Help us, O God, to be transformers rather than conformers in this world of ours. In Christ's name, amen.